When I was in 11th grade, my history teacher set up her room in a grid. She had rows and columns, and I think this was because she knew that none of us were going to have an easy time paying attention in her class. She took all the students, and she divided them up and put us in our seats in alphabetical order, which I know is teachers' favorite thing to do because they, they assume that you're not friends with the people who are around you in the alphabet. Well, I, early in life, caught on to this idea, and I became best friends with a guy who was directly after me in the alphabet. My last name started with J, and his last name started with K. So we had it made in every class. Teacher would put us in alphabetical order, but we'd be sitting right next to each other. Well, in this class, I sat in the middle of the room in the very front. I think my teacher, like, knew that I was going to have a hard time paying attention. She put me in the very center of the room in the very front row. But directly behind me was one of my very best friends. Now, I thought this was awesome until I actually tried to learn something. I would be in this class listening to my teacher, trying to understand and process what she was teaching us, and he would be constantly right behind me. He'd love to lean forward and whisper things in my ear. He would tickle the back of my neck with his pencil. He was constantly messing with me, and it it, it drove me crazy. I had to always spend my time in that class just concentrating on not losing my composure. I always wanted to just turn around and scream at him, but I always, you know, was kind of trying to keep my cool as this guy was messing with me. Well, I remember this one day in class when my teacher was teaching, and he was doing his normal thing. He was leaning up. He was whispering things in my ear. He was bothering me. But what I didn't know was going on, because all I was focusing on was my friend annoying me behind me, is that my teacher had asked a question. And in the back of our row, I sat in the front, he sat behind me. In the back of our row, there was this girl. She was really smart. She was really sweet, but she was super quiet. She never really spoke up in class. She never said a word. But this day, for some reason, this was the day that the quiet girl decided that she was going to answer a question in class. So my teacher asked this question, and I don't know this is happening, but the girl in the back of our row has raised her hand. And it was one of those moments where it was like the whole class got silent as everybody's eyes turned to this girl who never talks as she was going to answer a question. I, of course, have no idea any of this is happening because I've got my head down just concentrating on not turning around and being angry with the guy who's behind me. So she starts to answer this question. I'm paying no attention, and I finally get pushed to my breaking point. My friend is whispering things in my ear, and I just turn around, and I grab his desk, and I scream, would you just shut up? And the entire class gets silent. The first thing I'm thinking is, well, my mom always told me not to say that. And second of all, everyone in the class is staring at me like, what is your problem? Because I'm turned around screaming at my friend, but they all think I'm yelling at the girl in the back row who never speaks, who's finally raised her hand to answer a question in class. And I had that moment that we've all had before, that we've all experienced, when you just feel like all the lights in the room go out except for the one that's above you, and you just wish that you could go back and redo that moment over. I was sitting there thinking, I wish I could just grab those words and put them back in my mouth. But we've all experienced that moment before, whether it's we've said something to somebody and we wish we hadn't said that, or we've been doing something in our life and we wish we hadn't started that habit. But the unfortunate thing is that a lot of time that moment comes in our life when the consequences of our actions start to roll in. It's the moment where everybody's looking at us that we start to think, I wish I hadn't said that. Or when we see in the eyes of the person that we're speaking to that we just hurt them with our words that we wish we could go back and take them back. It's not until we realize that we forgot to cover our tracks and somebody's going to find out what we've been doing that we think, 
I shouldn't have been doing that. It's not until the person that we're talking to starts to figure out that we've been talking about them behind their back that we start to think, I shouldn't be gossiping. And that moment of realization for us comes when the consequences of our actions start to roll in. And tonight we're going to look at a story that Jesus told about a a man who experienced just that. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus just tells a story. And this is what he says. This is Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. We read that and it just seems kind of like a conversation that was going on between the son and his father. What we have to realize is that this was a very significant moment. This son was looking at his father and he was saying, Dad, I understand that you're taking care of me and I've kind of seen that you're pretty wealthy, you've got a lot of stuff, and I'm starting to realize that one day you're going to die and I'm going to get this stuff. But this son looks his father in the eye and he says, I wish that you were dead and I could have my stuff. When he asks his father for the share of his property, he's saying, I understand that I'm going to get this one day, but I wish that we could just skip all of this. We could skip all this life. We could skip all this relationship. And I could go ahead and get what's coming to me. It's like he's looking his father in the face and he's saying, I wish that you were dead. I wish that you were gone so that I could have my stuff. And the father doesn't really know what to do. And so he divided his property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and he took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. So the father divides his property between his sons, and he gives it to the younger son. And not many days later, the son gathers up everything he has, and he takes a journey. And he's going to a place that's not somewhere he's never been, it's not somewhere he's never thought about, but he's going to a place that he thinks is where he's always wanted to live. It's where he's always wanted to be. It's what he's always dreamed about, that if I can just get there, everything's going to work out. I'll have what I want. I'll have what I need. I'll be happy. So the son does that. But Jesus says that the son gets there and he squanders everything he has in reckless living. He gets there and he starts his life and he spends everything. He makes bad investments. He makes bad choices. And he spends it all. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So this country that the sun is in takes an economic downturn, and because the sun is so invested in this place, he goes right along with them. And he begins to be in need. He loses everything, he spends it all, and he has nothing. So he finds a citizen of this country who's somehow doing a little bit better off than he is, and this guy hires him out to feed his pigs. And the sun is out in the field feeding this man's pigs, and he has this moment when he realizes that what these pigs are eating is, is really more than he has. And he wishes, he longs to have what they have. And he has that moment of realization that this is not what I intended. This is not where I want to be. This isn't working out the way I thought it would. And you look at that next verse, 
But when he came to himself, that's that moment of realization. That's the son looking at his situation and realizing that this is not what I wanted. This isn't what I thought it would be. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? The son has that moment of realization, but he starts to think, What if I went back home? He realizes that even the servants, the people on the very bottom level of his father's family, even the hired servants have a better life than what I've got going on right here. So you can see the wheels begin to turn in his mind as he thinks, what if I went back home? In verse 18, we read his plan. I will rise and I'll go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So the son begins to think about going back home to his father. But he realizes that when he gets there, his father's not going to be happy with him. Because the son remembers looking his dad in the face and saying, I wish you were dead and I wish I had my stuff. And if he goes back home, his dad's not going to be happy to see him. So he begins to rehearse this speech because he knows if if he can get a word in edgewise, if he can kind of cut his dad off and speak first, maybe he can convince him to let him back in. And what he's going to say is, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but just treat me as one of your hired servants. Let me in on the bottom level. He's going to go back and before his father can be angry, He wants to ask, can you just let me in as a servant? Just let me in on the very bottom floor and let me work for you. Give me a chance. Give me enough time to work off what I did. Give me enough time to work and to prove to you that I know I was wrong. And so the son begins to rehearse this speech. And he arose and he came to his father. The son begins to travel home. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The son travels home expecting to find a father who's angry, expecting to find a father that he can barely get a word in edgewise. But his dad was waiting on him. And he sees him and he feels compassion and he runs and he embraces him. But the son, not knowing what to do in this moment, just kicks into gear with his rehearsed speech. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But that's as far as the son gets. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they begin to celebrate. You see, the son comes expecting to launch into his rehearsed speech to say, Father, I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just let me in as a hired servant. Let me in on the bottom level. But the son doesn't even get that far before the father interrupts him, screaming to his servants, go get a ring for his finger, get a robe to wrap around him, put shoes on his feet, and find the biggest animal we've got and kill it because we're about to party because this son of mine has come home. 
The one who was lost has been found. The son doesn't get to finish his speech before the father has fully and completely welcomed him back into the family. This is grace. This is forgiveness. It's the son getting exactly what he was not expecting. The father interrupting him and welcoming him back into the family. That's what the forgiveness of God looks like. And if you're a believer, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the story of this son is your story. It's my story. Because we, even though we don't like to talk about it, even though we don't really like to think about it, there's something deep inside of us that's sinful. There's something deep inside of us that wells up in moments. We look at God and we think, I'm really smarter than you. I know that you've got a a plan for this moment, but I don't think you really fully understand what's happening here, and I'm going to go my own way. I know that you've laid out what I'm supposed to do in this moment, but I don't think you see the full picture, God. And I I think I'm smarter in this moment, and I'm going to go my way. And when we sin and we take our own path instead of God's path, we're looking God in the face And we're saying, I wish that you were gone and I could have my stuff and I could do what I want. And so we gather up all that we have and we take a journey to a faraway land. And when we get there, we spend everything. We make our own choices. We make our own investments. And we spend it all. There comes a moment, a moment of realization when things don't turn out like we thought they would. We're able to look around and say, this is not what I wanted. This isn't turning out how I thought it would be. And we have that thought. What if I went back home? What if I went home? But we remember looking God in the face and saying, I wish you were gone. And we think, there's no way he's going to let me back in. But we hatch a plan. We say, maybe if I can get the first word in edgewise, I can come in with a story and I can say, listen, I understand that I sinned. I sinned against you and I'm no longer worthy to be a part of this family. I'm no longer worthy, but would you just give me a little sliver of grace? Would you just let me in on the bottom floor? Would you just let me come in as a servant and work off what I've done that's wrong? Would you give me enough time to prove to you that I can do it? And so we start to rehearse our speech. We pick ourselves up and we dust ourselves off and we begin the journey home. And as we're walking back, we're playing that over and over again in our head. Father, I've sinned against you. I'm not even worthy to be a part of your family. Just let me in on the bottom floor. We repeat that to ourselves as the landscape starts to get a little bit more familiar. And we take that final turn onto the father's property, expecting to see that long road to his house. But when we make that turn, what we see in the distance is a gathering cloud of dust. As Jesus runs to meet us, because he has been eagerly awaiting our return. 
And we don't know what to do in this moment. So we just launch into our rehearsed speech. We say, Jesus, I know that I've sinned against you and I'm no longer worthy to be a part of your family. Just, but we don't get any further. Because Jesus is interrupting us saying, go get the family ring, go get a robe for his shoulders and shoes for her feet because this son of mine, this daughter of mine that was gone is back. The one that was lost is found. We don't get to ask, can I come in on the bottom floor? Because Jesus has already welcomed us back into the family. He's restored us to a position as a son and a daughter in the family of God. Jesus has thrown open the doors to relationship. And that's the forgiveness of God that we experience. It's not, let me in on the bottom floor. But Jesus says, welcome back to the family. The son of mine that was gone is here. The daughter of mine that was lost is found. And that's the forgiveness of God. It's grace. It's Jesus throwing wide open the doors to relationship with him. Throughout this series, we've been talking about how the character of God is revealed in his people. And when it comes to forgiveness, the question for us is, are we going to live out what we learn from God? Are we going to watch God forgive us? And are we going to learn from how God forgives us? And are we going to live that out in our life? Are we going to be what we see in God? Because we're not very good at that, are we? When people wrong us in our lives and they come back and they want to apologize, we always let them finish their speech. We let them get all the way to the end. and We make sure that they articulate how they offended us. And we make sure they get it right. And we wait until they're finished. And then we say, I'll let you back in, maybe a trial basis. We'll see how you do. And we'll make an evaluation on that. But what we see in the forgiveness of God is that we don't get to finish the speech before God has restored us in our relationship with him. He's welcomed us back into the family. And so the question is, are we going to learn and are we going to live? Are we going to see that kind of forgiveness in the Father? And are we going to let Jesus work that kind of forgiveness in our own heart so that we might live that out in our lives? Because truthfully, the reason that we're not very good at that, I think, is because we don't really understand it. A lot of us, we're still in the mindset that we came back and God let us in on the bottom floor. God said, what you did was really bad. And we'll let you in as a servant. And I'll give you some bread and some water and enough to keep you alive. But you can go ahead and start working off who you are. You can go, and, go ahead and start repaying what you've done. And we'll see how you do. But that's not what happened in Christ. In Jesus, God was eagerly awaiting our return, and he runs to meet us, he embraces us, he clothes us, and he sets us up in a position as a son and a daughter in the family of God. And the question is, are we going to be forgivers like that? 
Because God looked on who we are. God looked at that son who was saying, I've sinned against you and I'm not worthy. And he said, I know. But I'm going to send Jesus. He's going to live and he's going to die for you. And I'm going to raise him to life so that we can restore you as a part of the family of God. And when we see that kind of forgiveness in God and become that kind of forgiver in our life, Father God, I pray that you would help us to see that. Give us a clear picture of what you've done in our lives. Help us understand our history. Help us understand your forgiveness and to become a forgiver like that. God, we thank you for your grace through Jesus Christ. That you don't let us finish our speech. You don't let us in on the bottom floor. But you restore us as a member of the family. God, you give us what we don't deserve. You forgive us with grace. Build that into our hearts that we might live out what we learn from you. It's in the forgiving name of Jesus Christ that we pray.